friend once described Amberlynn's lead singer, Stephen Christian, as being able to bring peace and calm to any room that he enters. And when you meet and speak with him, you'd swear that any negative antibodies flowing around your energy aura system thingamabob have just been paralyzed by some sort of kryptonite of his tranquil personality. Seriously, the guy is the calm amidst the storm. Formed in Winter Haven, Florida in 2002, out of the remnants of a local Christian group, Servants After God's Own Heart, the members of the future Amberlynn had already released several records and built up a regional following. The lineup consisted of Christian on vocals, his middle school buddy Dion Rexrode on bass, Joe Milligan on lead guitars, Nathan Young on drums, and Joey Bruce on rhythm guitar. Quickly signed to Tooth & Nail Records, the band released its first record barely a year later. The Aaron Sprinkle produced Blueprints for the Black Market, which went on to sell over 80,000 records. The band parted ways with Bruce, it is rumored, due to his overindulgence in the rock and roll party world, and instead brought in Mosaic guitarist Nathan Strayer for the next few albums, specifically 2005's Never Take Friendship Personal, which produced the hit Paper Thin Hymn, and 2007 Cities, which spawned the fan favorite The Unwinding Cable Car. Their alt-rock scores, combined with Christian's often soaring vocals and an emo earnestness to their lyrics, provided the band a convenient bridge from warped toward dedicated loyalists to more commercial, lawn-seat-only listeners, helping the band sell over 450,000 records over the past few years. With their latest release, New Surrender, the band brought in former acceptance guitarist Christian McCallany and signed over to major label land with Universal Republic Records. This record also was their first without Aaron Sprinkle at the helm, instead utilizing the skills of Neil Avron, most notable for his work with Fall Out Boy, New Found Glory, and Yellow Card. Christian also has this ambiguous side project called Anchor and Braille that he formed originally with Copeland's Aaron Marsh, of which there are several songs flying out there in internet land that originally appeared on a 7-inch single they created. And, as with more and more lead singers as of late it seems, Christian has broken into book publishing, premiering a diary-like project called The Orphaned Anythings. Combined with his online blog, which can be found at modesty.blogspot.com, fans can get an intimate look into the inner struggles of a man that appears to be so collected to all of us on the outside world. As he has stated, I am no Fitzgerald or Salinger. I just enjoy vinyl, coffee shops, and bookstores. Finally, he would probably be most proud of Faceless International, his nonprofit group whose objective is to bring a common awareness and familiarity to all humans worldwide. As stated so well in its mission statement, each day around the world, people ignore the plight of millions who have no food, no clean water, no education, and even no freedom. We want to put a face on the many people in our own country and around the world who have gone faceless or unknown for so long. You know, there's something to be said about a lead singer for a successful rock band, taking pause to help all of us understand the lives of those that we tend to drive by so often and say to ourselves, thank God that's not me. The group can be found at www.facelessinternational.com. Undoubtedly, there will be many more projects coming out of this band in the future, and as the one thing that derives them more than others that I've met is consistently their positivity towards that thing that we call life. Oh man, this song. This is Mike Shea. I can finally breathe. 
dear friend of mine, Nicole Rourke, who's a photographer yeah. um, and who works with you, has worked with you guys mm-hmm. and, yeah. and is a good supporter of you guys. Uh, and she's uh, pretty much, I think, Chiotis's house photographer at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig and the band invited me out on the road with them for a couple days. And uh, so I drove to Toledo, Ohio, and we saw the band there. And then Nicole and I drove from Toledo, Ohio to Lexington, Kentucky for a couple days. Saw the band there, hung out with them. And then after the show on a Saturday night, 1130 at night, Nicole and I drove back from uh, Lexington, Kentucky to Toledo. Do you know how long of a trip that is? Uh, wow. You know how, how long how of a far? trip from Lexington to Toledo is? You know oh, how many hours it is? It's about, four, days. it's about four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. <laughs> Nicole Rourke is a huge Anne Berlin fan. <laughs> <laughs> and she got, uh, and she drove, uh, and she got her hands on the new record at the time. And uh, and she likes to, um, and she's so into you that um, for four and a half hours <laughs> on repeat... <gasps> I had to hear the song Breathe. My God. (laughs) In the middle of the night. So I have about a couple thousand dollars saved up my bank account, and I will give you that money to never play that song ever again. Is that all right? Yeah. Fair enough. enough. We can guarantee you that we're not playing it tonight. Okay. All right. Well, then I will go to the show. show. I will come to the show tonight. Um, uh, but you guys are actually, um, you guys came out of Winter, uh, Winter Haven, Florida, and uh, it's actually not a big, it's like about 30,000 people, and yeah. Cypress yeah. Gardens is down there, <laughs> and it's uh, the this, this, this city that's called the Chain of Lakes City. Yeah, man, you know your and, Winter Haven um, history, this is awesome. Uh, so what was it like growing up there for you guys? I mean, I know, Christian, you, you kind of came in on the later mm-hmm. end of things um, more recently, but... For you, Nathan and Stephen, like, what was it like growing up in in this city of of I guess like all the time it's seventy degrees. Well, yeah. Nathan uh, Nathan would visit there frequently, but he lived in a little more towards Tampa. All right, you know, so you are so. from Florida, or no, are you I'm from Florida? Yeah. All right, all right, all right, okay, sorry. But uh, yeah, but I mean, so we would always practice Similar, there, yeah. kind of kind of based out of there and such like that. I mean, it's a small town. I mean, it's a small town with, um, and it felt very disconnected from the rest of the world. We were a very much a. Um, for lack of better words, uh, a Joe Six Pack community, thanks to as Palin would <laughs> have said. Uh, yeah, uh, no, no, no. But it was kind of like that. It was, it was very much kind of. Uh, um, uh, um, we were. I felt like we were cut off. I mean, you know, alternative press is not sold in probably not. Florida. Yes, um, but I mean, even even musically influenced, uh, we didn't have anything like you know. I mean, we I, we had we had a country station was which was there. Nine, um, I think it was like 97.5 and that's about, I mean, that's really it. So all our music was derived from Orlando and Tampa. We'd have to drive and go see these like local shows and stuff like that. But, uh, it was hard. I mean, it was, it was, it was hard growing up there because it, there wasn't a lot to do for, for kids. I mean, there was no skate parks, there was no, um, local venues, you know, that would play out, you know, music and stuff like that. So we pretty much had to invent our own scene and that's what happened. That's what, um, I think that's where Copeland and Under Oath and Amberlin came from was this small community of musicians that would just swap shows all the time. And, uh, you know, we would even, you know, swap members and swap band names and we just, everybody played in each other's bands. And so mm-hmm. we didn't have a culture that told us like what was popular or what was. And so I'm not saying like, oh, the three of us bands are so original, but I'm saying, but I think that's why, you know, Under Oath is so pioneer and screamo. And I think that's why Copeland doesn't sound like a lot of other bands out there, you know, and that's why Amberlynn is so schizophrenic and has no real foundation. Like we don't sound just like Led Zeppelin or just like New Wave or you can't like, because like we had nothing to go off of. We only had each other. And so um, when we kind of split apart into the three bands, it was incredible to see kind of us, us all conquering our own little um, territories and stuff like that in the in the musical realm. But 
Um, Winter Haven's a great place to visit. I don't think I'll ever live there again, but <laughs> it's definitely a great, great it, place to be from. Isn't it meth capital of Florida? Yeah. I think. Okay. okay. Oh, I, not, I mean, I didn't uh, want to bring wow. up the oh, okay, that's, we are the meth capital. <laughs> and and Wasilla, Alaska is the meth capital of Alaska. Oh. So I have family there is connection. Actually. Oh, you do? Wow. Yeah, I've been to Wasilla a couple times. What's it like? Uh, well, when I was there, it was 40 below zero. It was oh, 40 below. 40 below. Oh, it was God. so freaking cold. But it was fun. We were Just like, like we did, we like snow machined on the lake because it's there's a big lake there. It's called Big Lake, actually. And um, <laughs> it freezes over and they like drive on the lake. And That's uh, yeah, edgy. I don't know. It was wow. cold. That's all I remember. Was, yeah. I don't know. You know, um, so, so let's, let, so you guys, the story is, is that, um, Sago, is that how I want oh, to pronounce man. it? I, don't, I hope you don't. No, no, no. Right. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, no, but we, just we're just called, getting the back. Well, I mean, we just servants after saga. God's yeah. saga. 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 Yeah. All right, yeah. saga. All right, it makes sense. All right, uh, it's, I'm from Ohio. We pronounce things oh, differently. No, no, it's fine. Um, but servants after God's own heart, and uh, and it was the story is that this kind of came out of a middle school time period, early high school time right. period. Is yeah. that accurate? Ab- absolutely. Because you never know what you read anymore. So. Um, do you remember when the the formation like was that was that kind of put together? Because usually the bands are like made on a spur of the moment. Like let's do a band, or you know, and right, was yeah. it a, was it one of these late night drives back from Tampa from seeing a show? Or do you remember what it was? Yeah, I mean, of- it was uh, man, it was like nine, I want to say it was ninety six, and we all, uh, me, Dion, and Joey, were all pretty much going to the same. You know, like we had just you know we we're in the same school and stuff like that, and so mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those things. Like, hey, we should start a band. We we had no idea what it was going to be. I think the reason that it sounded a little more uh, like hot water music or kind of like, you know, kind of punk rock ish is because that's what Dion and Joey were listening to. And so that's kind of what I just wanted to play music, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but that's when we met Nate. Uh, Nate right. was, uh, you know, you did the first two records and then then he came into the right, band, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when we actually, you know, Saga was playing and, and his band, Bottle Rocket, was opening up for us. And Dion was like, dude, there's this 12-year-old drummer, and you've got to watch him. <laughs> and the first show... And he, and he won a Buddy Rich contest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the first show, uh, I didn't watch him, because Dion was like, dude, you've got to watch this drummer. And I was like, no way. I mean, what 12-year-old is going to be good, honestly? And so the <laughs> second enough. time we played with him, I was he, Dion was like, dude, just watch. I, I promise you, just police. He would drag me in there. And I watched as my mouth agape. I was like, oh my God. And our drummer at the time, no offense. I mean, it's not like he's ever going to listen to this, but uh, (laughs) our drummer at the time would like, he has this uncanny ability to speed up and slow down in the matter of one song. It's just like, and I was just like, this 12 year old. He knew his rudiments. Oh, yeah. I guess. Left, right, left, right, 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 left, left, right. Yeah, yeah. Paradiddles. Paradiddles. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He knew those, but he just didn't know how to keep them at a consistent pace. And so I'm watching this 12-year-old going, oh, my gosh. Like, please come over to the dark side of the forest. This would be great. (laughs) Um, So it happened that the drummer, our drummer at the time, kind of was like fading it out because he was going to get married and and stuff like that. And so I think there was like a week of shows or you filled in or just a couple shows. Yeah, yeah. Just basically just to fill in and stuff like that. And um, and so it was incredible. Like, we were just so stoked. Everybody, it just worked out. And then uh, we sat down with (laughs) We sat down with Nate's parents and pretty much tried to convince him. You know, oh, you did have that conversation. Yeah, please uh, yeah, let totally. us tour with them and stuff like that. And they were his dad actually played in the NFL um, with for like Green Bay Packers and Bucks and who else? Dolphins, Dolphins, Giants. Yeah. Oh wow! And John, Dan the Giants. I yeah. didn't know that. Wow. Um, yeah, he was an offensive lineman in the seventies. And so I think the dad, his dad, um, kind of realized that like 
you have to kind of strike when the iron's hot. You know, you, you, you have to pursue your dreams when it's, when it's going like full throttle. And so, you know, I don't know. They kind of trusted us. I don't, I have yeah. no idea why, but they were just like, yeah, take our freaking 14 year old yeah, son, you know, go now out. Now looking back, it's crazy that they said yes, you know, yeah. but it was cool. So was your mom against it, Nate? No, I mean, she, she was the same way. Like, you know, a little bit nervous, you know, letting her 14 year olds go on tour. But my brother went the first couple of times just to kind of like watch over me and stuff. But no, I think she, you know, same kind of thing. Like she realized that, you know, this is kind of like a once in a lifetime thing. And that long ago, you couldn't tell it would ever be to this point, you know what I mean? But she just kind of trusted and hoped that it was the right decision and kind of went for it. So so now that you're older and you guys are all not living with your parents, I believe. Well, um, well okay. All right. Okay. All right. Still there. All right. So or maybe I may, I may blow this for you. But, uh, you know, every band has that conversation with the parents, like, on the first tour. Like, please let us tour. You know, well, you yeah, guys yeah. are going to get mixed up with drugs. No, we won't. You're going to go become whores. No, we won't. You're going to go get in trouble with the law. No, you won't. Mm-hmm. How much of their fears really do come true? Um, they just don't know about it. Well, I mean, yeah. I think they really trusted the dudes I was with you know after mm-hmm. like hanging out with them they realized that they're good guys and that they would like take care of me and watch over me and so um you know I'm sure there's stuff that parents will never know about to her, <laughs> but you know what I mean like I, I think that there's no like crazy insane stories you know everyone makes dumb decisions early on and and but nothing I, I mean I feel super thankful and blessed that nothing did like that you know crazy happened to where it's like oh my gosh you know um, so again, I think that's just being around good. No, no, no TMZ moments for and, you guys. And my oh, dad, my dad's six eight, so I think if anything <laughs> happened, it, yeah, yeah, no. You know, but I mean, pretty, I yeah. think that like I think those moments are going to happen in a in a kid's life. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if they go off to college exactly, or go in a band. Yeah. It just, I mean, everybody's going to get out there and go, you know, crap, what am I made of? And yeah, you know, make totally. some serious mistakes. But you know. The difference is you kind of learn from them instead of kind of feeding back into yeah, them exactly. and, and reliving so them. So let's jump 18 years in the future. Let's say right now all you guys, um, do you have, are you any of you guys fathers now? No. No, 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 no. Okay, all right. No. So let's say you, you, you have a kid and mm-hmm. 18 years from now, 17, no, no, it's in today's world. All right, 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they say, Dad, I want to I I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in a band. I want to follow your footsteps and I want to go on the road. From each of you, what would be that one piece of advice that you would say? So now no, you're the no. parent. <laughs> Oh um, man, man. I, th- I think the first one was just to be, to know who you are before you get out on the road, you know, because dude, I mean, I mean, this is, it's, it's no myth. I mean, it actually is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Everything is accessible. A- absolutely mm-hmm. everything. And then some, and, and so you can have anything you want. I, I mean, and, uh, I think it's just, I want, you know, I would hope that my son or daughter would know who they are before they get out there because it's absolutely, I mean, and it's not just that. I think it's other characteristics too, like pride and are you going to be cocky, you know, like what, you know, just the slightest bit of fame. I mean, it can get straight to your head. I mean, you, I mean, we've met nobodies. I mean, and they have a bigger ego than Christian and Christian has a huge ego. (laughs) But, but I mean, I I think, you know who I think I am, (laughs) but you know, I I think it was in your Wikipedia entry. Actually, (laughs) I would hope that, that, you know, that, that I had instilled enough, enough care character and wisdom that, you know what, I know they're going to go out and make mistakes. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not naive and stupid, but, you know, I, I definitely want to make sure that, you know, I, I hopefully would have instilled enough character in them to uh, to make the right decisions in the long run. Yeah, totally. I agree. I mean, I just think, and also like what I said before, I look back and if I didn't have all these dudes around me, you know, I, I don't know where I'd be, you know, so I think that's an, a huge part of it, you know, is to make sure the dudes that you're with are guys that are going to even if it's hard, like check you and you're, you know, being dumb and not just be like, oh, well, he can make, you know, his own decisions. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that would be the most important thing is just to kind of realize who they're with and, and who they're around. So, yeah. Christian, what about you? Um, I, I would agree with what they said. You know, 
and along those lines, just stay grounded, you know, keep your feet on the ground and mm-hmm. never let it go to your head. Cause mm-hmm. like, you know, like you're like Steven said, sometimes you meet people and you're just like, well, what, yeah. are you, what are you doing? Like, who do you... And a bad reputation are, can like, burn you for a while. I mean, is it, is it, I mean, you guys have all met the people, like, you know, and, and unfortunately one of the people that gets brought up um, quite a bit, as, and he realizes it now, and he is trying to resuscitate his, 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 uh, his uh, image, is uh, Ryan Key. Mm-hmm. When he was here, he talked about that and how he burned a lot of bridges, and he, and he learned a lot of lessons from that. Do you think that's possible in the music industry with other band members, club promoters or something? Or do you think there's just something about that first impression that will always be there, that it's just hard to get over. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah, I, I once think it's, that outline yeah. is drawn... I'm not trying to make you badmouth anybody in particular, no, but just in no, general, totally. you know what I mean? It's hard to erase that that outline because, once it's there and then try and recreate something else. Yeah, you know because I mean? even it, you're always going to go back to that first time. You know, that's always going to be in your mind, like, the first time. I yeah. Even though they're trying hard, you know, and you want to, but it's going to be like there because... Yeah, the the problem is, I mean, and this is not Ryan Key, but I mean, we we know somebody that got into a band very fairly young. They were sixteen, and they mm-hmm. started this absolutely influential hardcore band, and then uh, went on to uh, go into another band. Was the was the front, you know, the front 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 guy, you know, mm-hmm. like a singer, and and then that band blew up. Well, so it being like him being like coming out to be like twenty five, twenty six. He has the same mentality that everyone in the in, in the band world, everyone caters to you. Okay, your right. tour manager's kissing your butt. Right. You know, the, the other bands that are opening for you are kissing your butt. Like, everybody is catering to you. And so, if you had learned at 16 years old that life revolves around you, I don't expect at 25 to be, to, for them to be different, you know? And, and so, it, I mean... I mean, I think that if you don't go into it right away with knowing, you know what, you know, how am I going to be, you know? And that's, and that's one thing I'm so thankful about Amberlynn is that we started with nothing, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. And it, and, and we've clawed our way like inch by inch by inch. And so I feel like so blessed that we didn't have one hit wonders because who knows? I mean, I can't sit and judge anybody, Ryan or anyone, because I don't know what fame feels like. Right. Dude, if I sold right. 2 million right. records off the bat, I wouldn't even be talking to you guys. <laughs> you know, no, but but honestly, we'd like, be doing a phoner, right? Yeah, yeah, phoner with with, uh, with my body and it double. It wouldn't even be him; it'd be his tour <laughs> manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Like, Steve, hey, this is stupid. <laughs> uh, but no, honestly, I don't know what that feels like, so I don't know what you know. I I, I can't point what a finger because I mean, yeah, dude, totally. We are catered to every yeah. single day, and that's you know, I you know, and again, like what Nate said earlier about. It's when you surround yourself with guys that are going to level you if you try to act too cool or too prideful or what the heck are you doing with your hair today? Anything yeah. like that. I mean, it's, it's awesome just to have that kind of accountability. But like, but I think what you said in the beginning was about um, first impressions. Man, mm-hmm. yeah, it's That's really, yeah, really hard to go back. Totally. I mean, I think, is there, is there something where, uh, and, and obviously you guys have met so many bands throughout the years and traveling the world, that you've met that one person in the band that maybe is out of control or in their own little world, so, do you think it's it, you, do you think it's almost a necessity? It's it's mandatory that the rest of the band kind of come together and do a bit of a, I guess per se, an intervention, mm. or is that I something you should leave up to the manager? No, you know, no, because no, of I politics be, and relationships, or should it be the band? I, I think it should be the band, and we've kind of had that in a way with like our our old rhythm guitar players. Oh yeah, at times or you know, like fifth dude or whatever. Yeah. But, but you know, like. And that was all us getting together, and I think that was probably the best yeah, way you should point. do it. You know, because it's it's personal. You know, and and I think it'd be a little bit weird to like have your manager take care of it because that's just kind of yeah. You know? I mean, because but there there is a time and a place for cockiness and self confidence. It's when you're on the stage, you need to you know have the persona of like you know I'm in charge. Let's do it. Let's all get hyped and stuff like that, dude. The second you walk off stage, you need to get rid of that. You know, and mm. and we had some people in the past that would like 
talk on their cell phones and, and be smoking around the fans and just like, you know, like, you know, talk to me in a minute, you know, it kind of attitudes like that. And dude, that is not the time and the place to, yeah. you know, take people for granted, you know, especially your own fans. I mean, mm-hmm. the people that brought you to the show, exactly. paid your ticket, you know, right. paying your, you know, per diem and getting you into the next show, that is the last person that exactly. we would, you would ever want to be cocky to. So, and I think, you're, I think you're talking about Joey Bruce. The original. Well, you know, we're talking about right, a, couple I mean, different <laughs> a couple different people. All right, yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll say it's an amalgamation of like yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. So is it something like you kind of do in, a, in I guess, a, like a corporate setting where you sit down and you do a warning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, we definitely. No. We oh, gave yeah. so many chances okay. to, to change, uh, both you know, because yeah. ev- everyone needs a little grace and needs, you know, someone Absolutely. to say change. Sure, yeah, yeah. But then what happened with that is, you know, it would get better for like a couple weeks and then it would just go right back into it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then it gets to a point where it's like... And and like we've enough is enough. we've really tried to to be one of those bands like keep our head you know heads clean you know keep our hands right, clean yeah, exactly. and try to be a little more classy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not buy into the you know cheap sex and you know easy drugs and all that stuff you know so we we've tried that and so when you have one person that's kind of ma- you know roughing it up for the rest of everybody else you know that people don't go like oh that guy in the band they go Amber yeah, really. Lynn exactly. is right. blah 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 you know. Do you ever feel like, uh, I was going to kind of briefly talk about this in a different context later on, but we'll just bring it up now while I'm at it, because I, I do want to talk about some of the more earlier stuff. Um, but uh, it, when you're talking about uh, that you've tried to stay away from some of the drama, I guess, um, within the music industry, uh, does that, you know, there are those people that are understanding, go, okay, they don't party. That's cool. And then you got other people that are like, they don't party. Um, they're the problem. They're the they're the party you know they're the ones that kill the party they're the ones that you don't want to have so do you feel like sometimes you guys have been unfairly um, I don't want to say categorized but kind of judged No we party but you know what I mean you know what I mean it's yeah, like yeah, no, yeah, 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 you, you may party but you don't party yeah, right yeah, you know, we don't yeah. go on like I mean we have a good time I don't think no drug I think, yeah I we think, don't exactly <laughs> I think if anybody's hanging out hang hung it out what is the what is the proper uh, grammar. Have they been with us and they hung out like a night with us? I mean, over over one day. I mean, they know that we we we've never walked into a room and pointed fingers and yeah, stormed exactly. out because someone said a bad word or someone has a beer in their hand. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I never. No way. I mean, we don't. I mean, I don't think. I don't think we're judgmental. I think as soon as people meet us and hang out with us for more than an extended period of times, especially other bands, you know, yeah, like. Yeah. You know, we've toured and taken out bands that we know don't kind of see eye to eye on like the whole that whole you know the drug issue or whatever the that stuff. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, like we, we took them out. out. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could talk to any band that's probably that's toured with us. I don't think you're gonna find anybody that's like, oh, those guys, man. Yeah, no, it was really awkward and like no, I couldn't even hang out like ever. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, Stephen, I have to. As I do, I do want to talk about the difference of those two early because usually when uh, when um, uh, was uh, usually when a band does their first record, they are getting all their influences out of their system first, right. and mm-hmm. then they start kind of figuring out who they are in the yeah, second right. one. So you did Servants After God's Own Heart in 1999, and then the second one, Then I Corrupt Youth, which you can get on Amazon, which I got. Oh, um, I'm yay. so sorry. Came out in 2001. Um, no, it's actually not really, not I actually plug. think, I, so from, plug. from a psychological standpoint <laughs> and from like a music history kind of buff, it's really, I think that's the, the records you got to go get are the ones before they became something because that's where you start seeing the shadows and the shades yeah. of who yeah. they become shadows that yeah, you know what I mean so so um but so <laughs> just out of curiosity what were what do you find were the differences uh, from like where your guys head heads were 
as because right. you say uh, you said it in a couple of interviews that you know, which is so true. Every record you mature right, as yeah. a person. So whatever you're experiencing in the world and you exactly. grow up, Absolutely. it goes into that record. So what were you? What were the changes between those two records? Um, the biggest change. I mean, we're I, I know I actually out of high school at that point. You know, as soon as Amber Lynn formed, like I was in college, and I think that was the biggest thing. Doing the psychology major. Yeah, right? psychology okay. major. Like I think that was it. I mean, going off to college. You know, between '99 and 2002. Okay. And then and 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 experiencing like. I mean, music, I mean, as what it was, I mean, that's when I discovered all these, you know, bands from people at college and, you know, and kind of just opening my mind to, you know, other, you know, philosophy classes than you have, you know, psychology classes sure, and sure. stuff like that. And so I think, I mean, I think college is a huge kind of coming of age, you right. know, novel in itself. And so I think that's what it was. It was just kind of like saying like, wow, this is a huge world. I'm a peon, you know, and then trying to start to relearn coming from a 30,000 uh, you know, coming from a 30,000 community, like 25,000, 30,000, you know, city to a college where there was 36,000, you know, I mean, I mean, right there is a world of difference. I mean, here's 36,000 people your age who are, you know, absolutely influential on your life and are going to expose you to, you know, everything under the sun, you know, whether it's music or religion or philosophy mm -hmm. or something like that. So it is, it was the maturing process. And I think in that, you know, we found a lot of great bands, um, that that kind of really influenced you know the early Amberlynn and stuff like that, mm. and uh, and so yeah that was definitely that yeah absolutely that was a huge change. So those two records that came out and then Nathan you came in mm -hmm. the band and then I think that the story is is that a couple of the songs from that were recorded on those two records were kind of retooled a little bit. Is that correct? Kind of to kind of mm. update. You I mean, mean no. from for Blueprints the first record? Yeah. No 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 off of uh, off of the. Um, off of uh, Servants After It Goes Hard uh -huh. Records. That, that It's like some of this stuff, all right, that's probably not true. Okay, no, so we it. was, uh, well, what happened was, <laughs> is, is, is so we knew Saga was done. Like, I was graduating college, so I was pretty much, I'm, guys, I'm done with music, sorry, you know, mm -hmm. like, but before I graduated, we were all like, listen, we've saved up money from these, these shows, these, you know, Saga shows, so let's go and just record one more demo with Matt Goldman, and if it doesn't work, we're only gonna do five songs, and so... Those five songs were kind of like the in-between stages, and we only actually used three songs out of those five-song demos okay. on the Blueprints you know, record because it was the change. It was kind of like the you know the, the you know the, the evolution from a punk rock band into what we knew we wanted to become. I think Ready Fuels was on there, um, Driving, which was now called Autobahn, and Foreign Language were the three songs that were on that demo. Mm -hmm that we actually used on Blueprint. So nothing was used for Saga by, by chance, but when people hear that demo, uh, there was a song called, uh, what was it, Between Bury the Be Dead or? Bury the no, Embrace the Dead. Embrace the Dead. That yeah. we attributed to like kind of like more Saga sounding. So that's why people say, you know, oh, it's another Saga song. But we just, it didn't fit our style and that's not mm -hmm. where we want, where we saw ourselves. And it was kind of like, you know, recoiling back into what we thought we were and we didn't want to do that. So as you went through this more this more rock direction, mm -hmm. um, were there what what bands were the templates that oh. you kind of like you know we guys we have to think like yeah. this now who, think, who were they I think the biggest one was that Sensefield Sensefield Tonight and Forever was was a, a huge, huge one record. And then, Sensefield uh, to okay. me I always think Third Eye Blind that really? first that yeah well for me like yeah, as far yeah. as drums go like because you went mm. from playing you know super fast punk rock to like rock and yeah. so I was listening to like Blue and then their first record and that's what I always think Sensefield and that and then yeah. Even, Absolutely, you know, even you. the obvious like J Jimmy World and stuff like that, yeah. you know. Yeah, if, um, I think if it wasn't for Clarity and Tonight and Forever, I thought I don't think that Amberlynn would have the sound it did, especially mm. initially because you know we were getting off 
on our own, you know, two legs, you know, trying to try to figure out what we loved. But, you know, with, with John Bunch's vocals, I mean, and his lyrics mm -hmm. where, you know, now it just almost told a story. And at the end of the story, you kind of want to like resolve something in your own life. And I felt like that was just huge, you know, like that he had enough passion and, and uh, vigor in his lyrics. And I was like, that's, I want to do that. I want to do that. And then with clarity, I think the music really seeped into early Amberlynn as far as like, man, these are cohesive and mm -hmm. beautiful and it doesn't have to be a, you know, a constant chop beat. And yeah, yeah. It can be all over the place and it doesn't have to, you know, like clarity's all over the map, you know, like, I mean, it's good. It goes from almost like a, a techno beat into like, you know, a, a lush 16 part harmonies. It seems sure. like. And so, um, you know, it's just, I mean, I think with those two records, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, even though this was just like 2001 when this happened, and it's not too long ago, but the world has changed completely when it comes mm -hmm. to oh, how yeah. bands get discovered. What is the official story of how you guys got signed? Well, what happened is Pure Volume um, actually used to be called X... Um, MP3. No, MP3.com. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was and pretty much like the inception of... Yeah, so when Pure Volume first started, we put those three songs that we recorded with Matt Goldman. Well, Matt Goldman called his friends at Warner Brothers and was like, listen, there's this band and they, you know, they have this song Ready Fuels. It's going to be your hit. You know, well, then that spread to a couple different majors. And then we, at the same time, were sending out our own little press kits like we Got usually it. do from our, the old days, you know. Right, the, right. You know, the, 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 the bio and the, the photograph. Bio, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we knew Chad Johnson, who works at Tooth & Nail, because he runs Slacker 77 in Alabama. And take Old. Mm. Take Old Records, yeah. And, yeah, and Slacker. And um, so he was doing Take Hold. We were, we were looking at, you know, why not Take Hold? But then Chad got upstream pretty much or bought out by Brandon Ebel and Tooth and & Nail. So Chad took us with them. And then Timmy from Under Oath came to Chad and was like, dude, I've got your new Juliana theory. And here they are. <laughs> Here's Amberlynn. <laughs> at the same time, you know, we, you know, we bought, we both, we all go back and forth, you know, like, cause majors were coming and Epic checked us out and all these other major labels. And we thought, you know, oh, should we go to a major? We didn't know, you know. And so at the end, we felt just absolutely safe with Chad Johnson and, yeah. and Tooth and Nail. Such a good dude. Yeah, absolutely. Still sweetheart, still one of our best friends, you know. And uh, and so we felt like that was the way to go. It was kind of like we, we, we thought, we looked at Tooth and Nail as like a stepping stone at the majors. We had no idea that that they would we would actually ever be on a major label we just thought like oh well if it ever works out you know and uh, we had heard some horror stories from like ludicrous and you know some other bands not well, Norman. ludicrous <laughs> L -U -T -I. not the other one L right 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 well and it's just now norma jean we're and good so, for the ludicrous. yeah and so yeah the ludicrous from atlanta um so <laughs> through through all those avenues kind of like that's how you know we discovered tooth and nail and tooth and nail discovered us because we, we got in three months no no i'm sorry in one month, just with those three songs, we got 25,000 plays. And wow. it wasn't, and this is the early inception yeah, of like for MySpace. My yeah, yeah. But with those 25,000, they weren't just fans. These are all labels. This was just labels passing around to different labels. And so suddenly in one month, you have 25,000 plays with this unknown band. And so, you know, everybody was just like, you know, you got to get these guys. And so we went with Tooth and Nail because they offered us a great contract. Um, as opposed to what we had seen Norma Jean sign. And so we were like, wow, these guys really look like us. So then what was the, what, what caused the discussion about changing the band name? Oh, no, no, no. 
Saga was dead. Okay, I mean, they yeah. were, it was all right. Just, so that is really that was already over, and then oh, this yeah, kind of came out of the ashes separation. of that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so there was a time. New members. Okay. I mean, I mean, basically, I mean, yeah. Yeah, new guitar player, yeah. and then when I joined, and like new music, and it was just, and it was just a, it was kind of like a phase of our. I mean, if you start something right out of middle school and early high school, you kind of are kind of done with that. You it's kind of like yeah. dating your high school sweetheart. Yeah, right. Um, so how how long of a of a break was there between the two bands then? Between Amberlynn getting started up and Oh, it's only like, I mean, we were we were always playing music just because, yeah. we, you know, in, in some form or fashion, either writing or still communicating with each other. But I want to say about eight months between, wow. okay. between Saga and then the formation of trying to write these songs and then even my deliberation, whether even to keep going with music. Really? You didn't we, have that moment? But we, yeah, but we but we always kept in contact. And if there was a show that a, a, you know arose, you know, like we would all just reform real fast and go play it because we needed the money to fund Amberlynn. Mm-hmm. So what what made you? Um, what was causing you to to, to think about? Ooh, do I want to keep going with this band stuff? Well, I think it's just. I mean, it's. I mean, we done with college at that point. And well, I just no. We signed it to the nail like one month after you know I graduated college. So, oh, okay. Um, I think it was just, you know, I mean, society, you know, it's just basically your parents saying, hey, you just spent X amount of dollars at college. You need to move on. It's time to go. And, you know, and then I already had a great job working at, with uh, this Catholic humanitarian charity. Oh, awesome. And so they had they had presented me and offered me a job and I was stoked. I mean, this is what I want to do with my life. And, you know, and so I was set, you know, I was like set. Um, and I was, I had been done playing punk rock for years. The only reason I was in the band is just because I loved music and the guys and, you know, it was just a lot of fun to do on the weekends in college and stuff like that. So we were kind of, you know, phasing. I was phasing that out, that stage, you know, my life out. And then when Amberlynn started to pick up, you know, we still had only played. After we got signed, after the record was done, you know, we had only, our, our first real big show was at Cornerstone. We'd only played five shows in our whole mm-hmm. career. Since we recorded in February, between February and June, we'd only played five shows. So As Amberlynn, yeah. As Amberlynn, yeah. And there's a huge, in my mind at least, between that second um, uh, Saga record and the first Amberlynn record, there's a huge difference in your vocals. Yeah, yeah. totally. What, what happened? I, I learned to sing. I mean... <laughs> no, but what did you do? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, I, think, I feel like a lot of times um, I, I will, will pattern my vocals around the music. Like, if the music, even in Amberlynn, like, if, if the music is heavier, I'm going to grovel a little more. I'm going to make it sound a little more, like, irksome. Mm-hmm. And then if you have, like, a slow ballad song, like Unwinding Cable Car, it, it just calls for a little more melody. And so when you're playing, like, you know, slop, you know, like, just real, you know, fast punk rock beats and, you know, guitars going all Training over the place. Training wheels, yeah. Yeah, and especially... When, when early on, you know, again, Hot Water Music played Winter Haven once. Yeah. And so our influence was like this grovelly, you know, you have like, you know, on they, they, you know, Hot Water Music has new bands, The Draft and all that. But you can still hear this grovelly tone. Well, that's all I know of punk rock. I mean, I wasn't into degenerates and, and sex pistols. I mean, I didn't know what that stuff was. All I knew was, you know, I, I had heard of no effects. I had bad religion. I had Hot Water Music and... And that's it. So between bad religion and hot water, I'm like, well, I guess that's how people sing, yeah. you know? So then then starting, you know, to go and listen to, you know, I really got, um, somebody gave me a Morrissey record like my senior year of high school and then going into like finding the Smiths in college and then going back and it's like, oh my God, what is this thing called New Wave and Depeche Mode? And then that led to Jeff Buckley and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people actually sing. And so 
from there, I just started to sing. And then when you have this more ambient music, I think your my vocals started to you know revert around that. And Did so, you take lessons? No, I didn't. No. Wow. I, I took lessons. My first lessons was right before Cities was my first vocal lesson. Did any of you guys ever take lessons? Mm. I took... You mean, no? yeah, I took drum lessons for like a couple months. Oh, so you're the cheater. Yeah, I cheated. I took classical guitar lessons, but I had already, I already knew how to play guitar. I had taught myself guitar and then I wanted, I took And you're the elitist. Guitar. And you're the elitist. Okay, I got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it just, just, we're not, I don't want to get into the discussion. I just want for, for those to verify, is the band name, is the story about Radiohead's song, Everything in Its Right Place, true? No. Okay, so the World War II story of the grandfathers not true. Not true. Um, you guys, the the, the 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 you know the 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 story that's going out there is you guys just keep changing it all the freaking yes. time. Yes. Yes. So Absolutely. all right. So what comic strip was this named after? Was like yeah, is this somebody's cat? Um, it was. In, Go ahead, make up another one. Uh, there was. It was in From the, Hell, uh, the illustrated uh, graphic novel. From Hell. From Hell. No. Yeah, you know about uh, Jack the Ripper. No, no, that's okay. based on. It's an illustrated graphic novel. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. From Hell dude, is it a graphic novel? Is this going to be like, is this like a game? This is are like, are, are we going to win at some McDonald's like after this and we figure stories. it out? Yeah. Oh, what was it the good was... one we came up with the other day? Not the fashion magazine. Not the fashion oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we, were t- we told a taxi driver on the way to, somebody was like, well, first off, we, we said Amber Lynn. She's like, Amber Wind? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Amber Wind. We are an yes. Indian flute band called Am- Amber Wind. <laughs> Amber Wind. I'll be looking for the late music. Yeah, like New Age. We just opened up for you. I'll be looking for for the uh, the late night commercial for that, yeah, yeah. No, you know, I was like right after the Celtic vo- angels yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to be on NPR in a little while. Uh, this <laughs> is Amber Wind with their flute special. Amber Wind. Uh, but uh, no, we were telling the taxi driver, no, 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 um, Dion, which is true, he's a huge history buff. So he was, you know, his favorite character, one of his favorite characters is King Henry, and then went on about Anne Boleyn because we Anne like Boleyn. we want to chop people's heads off. It's, <laughs> And that was a good one. I thought I was yeah, like, I'm gonna good. stick with that one. That's the metal band name. But the, yeah, but this, when the whole thing is like, we just kept making it up because it's not. There's nothing cool about Exciting, it. Exciting, yeah. We one day I came. Okay, I came to practice, and everybody was like talking about band names. Uh, they want somebody wanted the Laredo, which was or horrible. Stillwell Angel, remember Still, that one? No, that's crap. That's terrible. I'd rather be Amber Wind. Remember that <laughs> <laughs> League of Their Own? Remember that little kid Stillwell? Yeah, they Stillwell. Call Stillwell. Do it kind of medieval too. Amber Wind is in W Y N D E. Oh, yeah, I like that. Somebody already had the sword issue of AP. Who was that? Sword? Yeah, they had the old knights. They're on the front cover. Come that on. Was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. every time I die. Every time I die. Yeah, yep, that was great. But um, yeah, but it's just <laughs> not cool. So because one day I was telling somebody like, oh yeah, I'd like to go to Europe and backpack. I'd like to go to Madrid, you know, you know, Barcelona and Berlin. Oh, so that's just not entertaining. <laughs> Anne Boleyn's talking about cutting people's heads off. That's way cool. Awesome. And Radiohead. Missing, it's a yeah, great reference. Lyrics, that's it's, good. It's, it's, it's total lyrics. credibility points. Total credibility. Totally credibility Look how points. cooler I am than dogs you. in World War Two. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it's one dog. big fat lie. Yes. Yes. So we are not going to get that answer yet. <laughs> you guys can save it and put on some YouTube tour diary or yes, something like that. True. All right, I got it. But so, it's just yeah, to be continued, gang. Yeah, I just basically just came to the practice one day and I was just you know I was thinking like Amber. Okay, that's kind of cool. Everybody was think, talking about band names, and I said, "Dude, it's just gonna be how about just Amberlin until we think of something better." And so that was it. That's the whole story. We're still just, thinking. We're still thinking. Yeah. You got any ideas? That's a lot of merch changes. That's that's, that's a not. That's, I don't even. Be, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't believe you guys anymore. Oh. I just don't. I just don't. I don't believe anything you say anymore. All right, oh. so we take two music breaks. The first music break, um, I'm going to put some context. I need two two different bands and two different songs. So one song each Ooh. band. Oh, wow. And I want you to go back and think about that. F- those first, the first, you know, kind of like that year of Anne Berlin. 
Berlin after or whatever the hell you called yourselves. And um, and what what uh, and who would be those? Pick like a band and a song that would be kind of like were those templates that were kind of like, like what the, made Amberlynn. Yeah, made? when you guys walked into the first rehearsals and you were like, yeah, you know, you kind of had this like boy, you know, like you were talking about emulating the people you were listening right. to. So who mm-hmm. would be those two bands? So if somebody listened to those now, they're like, oh, I can hear it. Well, for me personally, like I think, you know, um, sonically, as far as the tone, um, it would have to be the Smiths and Jeff Buckley. It'd have to be Morrissey and, and Jeff Buckley. I, um, I've always just loved how unique Morrissey is. I mean, as far, not even just lyrically, not even storytelling, but um, his tone is just, I mean, you either love it or hate it, you know? I mean, and uh, so I think definitely Morrissey. And then Jeff Buckley has a range that hasn't been seen since, you know, until Je- until uh, Jimmy Necco of ours, but he he just has an inc- insane range and a prolific mm-hmm. guitarist. I mean, just that that you know. I mean, most guitarists would crave to be a, you know as good as him, and then most singers, you know. I mean, so to have it all in one person. Give me give me songs though. Okay, songs. Um, so Smiths. Wow, Smiths. Uh, man, that's so hard. I'd love to. Um, Man, that's so hard. Uh, well, my favorite, my favorite song, um, just because it's so sentimental, which we we did, um, is called "There's a Light That Never Goes Out." Um, I think it's incredible. I think it adds in um, uh, a summation of all of his lyrics. I'm um, very morbid and dark, and yet uh, catchy and 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 just uh, just amazing. Um, and then with Jeff Buckley, um, I don't want to say Hallelujah. I want to say. Um, um, there's an album called "Letters to the, to My Sweetheart for the Drunk." And uh, he did this amazing song called Everybody Here Wants You. And that song's so good. If somebody redid that, if like an R&B artist redid that song, they would be a millionaire. Cause he's, but he, this is such a, a very classic guitar. I mean, um, this uh, guitarist, he's a very minimalist on the song, but vocally, he's just very actually tonal and very um, smooth, has complete control. I've never seen control. I mean, I've never seen Jeff Beckley. I mean, he's obviously passed away, but... Complete control over his voice. Anywhere he wants to take it, it will go. So yeah. those are my two. Man, I don't. I think when like when we started like going over the songs, I remember thinking like Stephen's vocals because like you said, it was so different with Saga. You know, it's like this growl, whatever. And I remember when we first got demos, I remember thinking Jeff Buckley too. I was like, wow, it sounds like a rock band with Jeff Buckley because I I'd never heard of it before he showed it to me. Hmm. Um, but as far as the music, I remember thinking Bleed American by Jimmy World, like the first song. I remember just like the music and the style we were writing. I was like, man, that's like what I was listening to. And I remember like listening back to like our first demos and being like, to me, it sounds like Bleed American with Jeff Buckley singing. I mean, I'm, thanks, man. I'm, well, you know what I mean? Like, that's just what I remember thinking. And then you show me on that saga tour, or maybe it's like early Amberlynn, but like Grace, isn't that yeah. the name of the record? Yep. And so I remember thinking that. And so I don't really know a, a song title by then, by Jeff Buckley, I mean. Probably, I mean, Hallelujah, I know it's kind of mm-hmm. cliche or whatever, but I remember hearing that and being like, oh, Steven sounds like that. And people told me that, you know, when we when they heard it, they're like, it sounds like, because you got this like rock band and then someone that sounds like he's been, you know, like sings at church or something. You know what I mean? Because he's, and so that's what I remember thinking. It's like Bleed American meets like Jeff Buckley, so. Take me out tonight I haven't got one And 
there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this: the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift. The baffled king composing. Was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. And she tied you to her kitchen chair. And she broke your throne and she cut your hair. And from your lips she drew. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, there was a time. Remember when I moved in you, and the holy dove was moving too, and every breath we drew is hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
Maybe there's a God above But all I've ever learned from love Was how to shoot somebody who outdrew you And it's not a cry that you hear at night It's not somebody who's seen the light It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah 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 
Okay, so between the years of 2002 and 2005, uh, you put out two records, mm-hmm. uh, Blueprints, and then you put out Never Take Friendship Personal. And how did you think you grew between those two records? Um, I think uh, I think Never Take was the first record where it was, I, I want to say it was the first time Amberlin was its own identity, you know, mm. that we didn't rely on influences or past, um, that we actually, you know, um, I once heard Chris Martin say that, because uh, we're good friends, uh, no, but <laughs> that he said in an interview that you have your whole life to write your first record, and and, and, never, and uh, Blueprints was our first record, you know, basically mm-hmm. my first record, and um and so I had my whole life lyrically to come up with that record. And so Never Take felt like it was the first time that we actually sat down to, you know, actually write songs, write music, you know, and I had to formulate a hook and and uh, come up with new, inc- you know, ideas and creative that, you know. And so I feel like Never Take was, we were finally songwriters. And I think it kind of hmm. showed through with uh, certain songs. I mean, uh, Feel Good, um, uh, you know, Paper Thin was on there, um, uh, not sim- uh, Symphony, 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 and like with the, with songs like that, and then and Dance, 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 Dance. I mean, with those with those four songs right there, it was just kind of like, okay, we can write songs. I mean, and and it was kind of the first time that was just like, dude, Amberlynn um, doesn't sound like anybody else. Like we don't we don't feel like we are listening to contemporaries, you know, our, our peers, and we're you know, no one can go, oh, dude, Amberlynn sounds like fill in the blank. Or, you know, something like that. And it was the first time that we were, I felt almost free. Because I felt like blue on Blueprints, I felt almost, wow, I have to keep up with contemporaries. Like, I have to, you know, it wasn't like, you, you know. You pushing yourself. Yeah. yeah. To really to really fit a vein. To really, you know, especially when you get signed to Tooth & Nail, there's almost an ex- expectation of like, hey, you need to sound like Tooth & Nail band and stuff like that. Were you guys intimidated when you got signed? I, w- I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I think... And that was our first time being on like a real label, so I yeah. think we were all pretty nervous and absolutely. Know. And did you kind of go through a phase at first, like where, uh, and maybe for you too, Christian, when when you were with Acceptance? But did you kind of like when you get first signed to something, you almost kind of say yes too much? Yeah, no, because you're yeah, kind of like absolutely, like, absolutely. Dad told me to sit at the table, so I'm going to sit at the yeah, table. Dude, totally. yes. The house is on fire, but you're like you're sitting at the table. So Dad, you Dad know, tells you to get up, and, and that's one thing I have to credit um, all three of our producers, uh, Aaron Sprinkle, mm. that. He, I don't know how he did with acceptance, but he absolutely guided us. I mean, like he was like, "Dude, cut the BS. Don't mm-hmm. let them force you into the Christian market, and don't totally. let them, don't let them, you know, sell you into something, and don't sell your soul." And I think at first, Aaron Sprinkle kind of like gave us like the guiding because mm-hmm. he was a musician first, and yeah. then a producer second. Mm-hmm. Right? Did you guys and, have management then? No. Uh, no. Okay. Not no. for blueprints. Not for. I mean, no. That we were dead in the water, and so really, yeah. when did you guys finally get management? We well, we had a friend do it. Oh, okay, one uh, with, of those. I got it. it that's how it always starts. That's yeah, not yeah, management. It yeah. wasn't. Yeah. It was mismanagement by any means. But, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and so we got management probably right, um, right at Never Take. No, 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 no. It was it was like in between Blueprints and yeah. Never Take. Yeah, okay. So it was and, okay. Uh, in the middle. And so yeah, and so in the beginning, Aaron was our only uh, voice of of you yeah, know, sanity. Totally, and 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 plus we. Since that was our first record, we didn't really feel like we had any, like, I don't know, we weren't at that point where we could be like, no. You know, like, they would say, and we're like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because it's right. our first record, you know? And so we were just kind of, like, went with what they'd say to to a certain extent, you know? But Is there anything, like, on, the, on that, looking back on it, that, you know, sitting in the bus, uh, chatting in the middle of the night uh, all these years later, that you would kind of go back and go, you know what, it, it's 2003, and I probably would have done that. We, we probably should have done this differently. 
We probably I should mean, have said no to this. Well, we we talk about like what ifs, like what if we signed up with a major right off the bat? Like what if, mm. what if? But you know what? Like again, like I mean, I think that's another one of the the beautiful parts of Bamberlin is just the slow progression. And we don't have Fairweather fans; we have friends, you know. And that's and that, like you talked about in the beginning, Nicole. I mean, we've known her since never take, and so. You know, I don't. Know. She's not my friend anymore, by the way. Okay. After, after, <laughs> after, after playing night, breathe, after breathe for four, four and a half hours, yeah. But I don't. If I ever hear that refrain again, that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> that was the best four and a half hours of your life. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I love my life, and I think we all do. I mean, I think we all are. You know, on, on cloud nine, every day we wake up. So totally. I mean, you can always have like what if stories, but honestly. I don't know if I would tempt fate by changing any, mo- exactly. you know, anything that we possibly did. And you'll like tear yourself up if you always go back and like, oh, what if we did this, you yeah. know? And we're just happy to be where we're at, you know? Like, was there anything with acceptance that you guys ever had that moment? Um, I mean, do you, if you asked me that question when acceptance broke up, and then you know, ask me that question now, I would give you two different answers. Really? Totally. What would have been the answer when when acceptance broke up? That was two thousand five, right? Uh, there? I think so. Okay. Two, yeah, I can't remember. But it was a couple of years it? ago. For three sure. years ago. It was three summers ago. All right, so okay. three years ago. All right, yeah, yeah 2005. And uh, when we broke up, I mean, there were definitely things that I would say we, we could have done differently, you know, for sure. And not, not necessarily things that I regretted, but just like things. Like what? Like what? Um, I mean, what, would we have signed to a label knowing that it was going to go the way, the major label, the way that it went? You were I on mean, la- what label again? What label? We were on Columbia. Oh, okay. Right, they yeah. were great. They were great people. But right when we signed to Columbia was right when, I mean, right when the majors, right when we started getting into the whole getting signed and that whole thing, the, the industry was just getting Because they went through like a series of like two major layoffs, like yeah. a two-year period. And I think that it was, was about right that time. right when we <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. signed, you know. And then at the time we signed, they were the number, they were like the top label. Yeah. And then by the time we, we basically, you know, were done, they were they were just like, it was no one we knew that, that at, from the beginning was there. Oh. And we, were, we had actually oh, signed, horrible. before we even put out anything on Militia Group, we were signed to Columbia that whole time. Like they, we were actually on Columbia for like years, you know, before we put out Phantoms. And so, I mean, it just, that, that, that probably would have been some, you know, knowing what we knew that would have been different. And then just some of the like inner, inner band things, you know, there was definitely times where I kind of like kicked myself in the butt for just like, I don't know. Some, there were a couple of times where I definitely compromised my integrity was it because of a sponsorship thing or because of, uh, you had to write, you had, you had to do a song? A no, particular type just in, uh, like inner band kind of things. I feel like I got walked on a couple oh, okay. times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Walked, and I think a lot of guys could relate to that. But then like, you know, that, that was right when we broke up. And But if that, none of those things had happened, then I would not be here right now. Right, you know what right. I mean? Which I think you can Cause do, and effect. Yeah. You can look at that for everything in your life. You know, every totally. decision you make, you know, you can like Nate saying, you can beat yourself up over everything and be like, oh my gosh, like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Or, mm-hmm. or like, but if you didn't do that, you would you be, be where, you are. Where, you exactly. are? where you are? Or would you even be who you are? You mm-hmm. know what yeah, I mean? True. So, Good point. You know, like I, you know, it was rough, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life. So yeah. that's Aww. good. Right. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, so the the new record is New Surrender, but to me, uh, with that, and I'm going to take New Surrender out of it. But but to me, the record where <coughs> you guys sound the most alive, and your souls sound so fulfilled is Cities, mm-hmm. uh, and you can hear it right off the first track. Everything, all the other records, for some reason, don't hit me as much as that one does, and. Do you kind of agree with that? Can you expound on that a little bit more? I, I, I'm not a philosophy major. Um, so, <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I mean, seriously, I just think it just sounds so much more alive. It just sounds... Uh, 
it just sounds uplifting. Like there's something about it that really? the spirit just sounds. That's so funny. That's the darkest, like the wings darkest are, record we've ever yeah, put but out. I mean, it's hopeful. Like I think really. I, see, I agree with them. I, I, I it's in the tonality. I, it's everything. Me, in the place of my life, I remember when we did Never Taken Cities. I listen to Never Taken. You know, I'm like, oh. But when I listen to Cities, I'm like. This is, I remember, it's just a, such a happy, even though it's darker, really? but to me, it's like the same thing. I listen to all the songs, and I'm like, dude, there's so much like love in these songs. Like, really? I listen to them, like, we put so, yeah, <laughs> I still listen to it, and I think, like, I listen to, like, my drum parts, I'm like, man, this well, is, it, I, I, it I, must be, the, you know, I mean, that was a, I mean, morality-wise, I mean, not morality, but morale-wise, mm -hmm. we were actually, at, I mean, we was, that was a huge pinnacle for our careers, I mean, especially, oh. like, because we love Seattle. I mean, that is our home. I mean, I feel like that's my home. I, I, don't, mm -hmm. I, have a, I, don't, I don't live there or anything, but I mean, every time I go back, I'm part of that city. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like, dude, that lyrically was, I mean, I was, I was messed up. I mean, I, I mean, there's songs about, I have about strangling people and how I <laughs> hate myself and I wear masks and I feel like I didn't know who I was. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I had just gone through saying. like a massive, massive breakup and I wanted well, to. Maybe not Chops even like a happy off. feeling. Just to me, it's like a mo like it's such an emotional record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's just so much like put into it that I feel. I I agree with him. Like, wow, I don't, I don't know. I mean, but you I see, but like, the, I mean, the but pain is what makes it comes alive. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. it does. Maybe I mean, you must have had those conversations with Craig. <coughs> it's the same thing. It's yeah. the pain yeah. that makes the artistry come alive. True. When I mean, when somebody I, is comfortable, they never put out good true, stuff. True, but it's they like never yeah, put out good stuff. But blues. I mean, even but I mean, like I understand what you're saying. Like blues. It, yeah, it, exactly. It same theory. Just yeah, absolutely. But I felt like lyrically on this one. Um, you know, um, I'm just saying lyrics. I'm not talking about yeah, know, yeah. mood or, or how it, you know. But um, I felt like, you know, this this record I, I, I set out to empower, like I set out to uplift, you know, on this one. And cities, I just, I, I really could care less about anything else, anybody else. because And that's one thing that was actually... Um, Really, when I listened to Cities, but while while creating New Surrender, I hated that person because I felt like I was so egocentric, and it was the whole record. Every song is all about me. I'm talking like from Dismantle to Unwinding. I mean, uh, to even Adelaide's all about myself, and like everything is just me, 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 me. And so when I got to New Surrender, I was like, dude, I hate that person. That person was selfish and egocentric, and so and maybe that was my fault that I've I totally. Um, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't put those two pieces. I didn't, I didn't take both polar opposites and put them together. Maybe that, maybe that'll be great for the next record that I can come to a happy medium. But I alienated that human. Like this whole record is, you know, New Surrender is nothing about me. And so I don't know. That's yeah. weird. I never thought about that, but. So, um, and then uh, after after Cities came out, um, it was actually, the, the story is, is that one day before the release of the record is when, uh, Nathan Strayer left, or about that time. Yes, Ooh, it, was, it was the day before. No, it was big. No, 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 it was. I mean, that's that's kind of like the time frame. Like it was, that was about, when we announced. That was when it was we announced it. It was like yeah. a, it was like was a month be before. I think it was about you know three or four weeks before that. That we it was a slow. It was a slow progression. We knew it was coming. Everybody just oh, felt man. it, and it was knew it was coming. So, so then Christian came into the band. So was there kind of like a overlap? Like you knew he was going, you knew Christian was coming in? Yeah. No. Really? There, I mean, how much was this was on I, the down low? Like, was it one of those I sorts of things? Like, did Nathan, did, did, did Nathan know about Christian? They Christian, called me you know? in January. Yeah. We, we, but he was going to, uh, it was just filling in. Filling in. Okay. No. And I told, you know, I sat down with Strayer and I said, dude, uh, you know, we know who, it, you know, Christian's filling in and stuff like that. I was very upfront with him and stuff like that. I actually hung out with Strayer in Florida oh, 
randomly. <laughs> it was the most awkward thing ever. This is after I was like in Florida practicing with Amberlynn, yeah. like and at so, a party. Yeah. It's like Strayer and I out back like talking, and I was just like, "Oh my lord!" Oh, I'm so sorry, man. That was my <laughs> yes. fault. But uh, but but no, I mean, we didn't think, you know. And I told Strayer, like, dude, he's not a permanent member. We haven't, you know. And I mean, that's nothing. <laughs> Nothing, you know, we didn't know. I mean, I think in the back of our hall, all, all our heads, we were crossing our fingers because we because we had toured with Acceptance. They Amberlin were like, Please don't be a douchebag. Yeah, <laughs> Amberlin, Sayosin, and Acceptance <laughs> went out on, on one of our favorite tours, yeah, and awesome. uh, and so we hung out with. That Christian. was post Anthony Green, right? Wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Post. Okay. Yeah. Um. And we, dude, we all loved Christian. I mean, we, me and him, had hung out, and talked, and then Nate filled in for yeah. Yeah. Acceptance, and he was like, "Dude, I vouch for Christian. He's a great guy, great guitar." So I think we were all crossing our fingers in Very a way. Handsome. <laughs> That's body, what matters. Got to look good in the photos. He's got a great, great, great radio voice. Oh <laughs> Anything else you want to say? <laughs> no, we. I think we all crossed it's our fingers. It's soon within like days. I we, mean days, dude. We all knew. We yeah. all knew. I mean, like because, like I say this all the time, it's sixty percent what you do off the stage, and and Christian just has like the smile and he's just so excited about life and like every day, like he just was talking about like the best, this is the best days of his life, but that's his, that's his attitude off the stage and on. And so there was just no doubt in our mind, like, dude, I mean, if we, you know, because people are not just musicians, these are your roommates, Mm -hmm. your best friends, your Mm -hmm. brothers, you know, your, you know, like you sleep inches from these people. So I mean, we're in the same bug. What? (laughs) I called (laughs) it a spoon. So I don't know. That'll be on it a blog. Awesome. So, uh, so, so then after, after you keep, so let me, uh, Nathan left the band for what was the reason again? Basically, I mean, I think it was a number one. I think that he want, he was, he's, he loves hardcore. I mean, okay. he loves, you know, like that was, and so he was trying to bring that a little more into Amberlynn and we were actually really you know, going, going ways. in the opposite directions. Like we were staying away from that scene and the, you know, and the screamo and stuff like that. And so he just wanted to pursue a, you know, a band, a hardcore band. Yeah. That's got to be the most difficult thing on the planet is to kick somebody out of a band. Yeah. Oh man. It, is it, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, I would think that some bands just kind of wait it out and hope that the person's just going to quit on their own. So yeah. the friendships and all that time it, bonding. Huge, yeah. It's like breaking up. It is. It is. It's up, rough, man. Which it is really like the, is. The worst thing ever. Yeah, exactly. It does. Do, have you I guys mean, seen him since then? Yeah, because he, he lives in Tampa, and okay. so I live in Tampa, and so I still talk to him every once in a while. And yeah. Things are good. Like we didn't, you know, we didn't see each other for a couple months, and like, you know, it was a little awkward the first time, but we we still like keep in touch. Weren't and you see guys each like pra- pra- basically childhood friends? Like your families grew up together. I, I knew Strayer, yeah, since I was like ten, and so wow. we were good friends, you know. And then when he joined the band and stuff, and um, so yeah, we still keep in touch, and my mom's like friends with his mom, and so you know they keep in touch and stuff. So there isn't so is there so are you kind of past the uncomfortable moments? Um, you kind of edit your conversations. Sometimes? Yeah, yeah, like I don't ever talk about the band when I'm with really them. okay. Yeah, so it's just that much. because okay. you know it's a little. You know, I'm never like, oh yeah, we were just we just got done to our records. We're having out. the best time ever. <laughs> yeah, well, like, and, and he pursued another Sending band. Sending him postcards. And, yeah, right. Yeah, no. So we, I'll usually, you know, keep the conversation on what is going on in his life and stuff like that. And another thing that I thought was a big deal that was so obvious is that he wanted to be home so bad. That yeah. He, it was just almost like annoying. We all want to, you know go home eventually and have time off it was just like after two days of tour he'd be like oh i just want to go home and we're like dude you can't have that mentality I mean, so if music is your passion your love i mean then you yeah there's going to be things that you sacrifice a little bit yeah so i just don't think he was ready for that you know 
So, so anyway. Christian, when you came into the band, what what did you have to change about the way you work or the way you play, or did you have to nothing really? Really, I just, mean, you it, just what was very yeah, it was like it was very seamless and like it felt almost natural. It felt like I had known these guys for like years. You yeah, know? it was really yeah. awkward. <laughs> In the sense of like how well we just got along with right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, th- that was why within like the first probably week of touring, they were like, yo, you just want to be in the band? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I remember that. It's so funny. You know, because yeah. at first it was kind of like, you know, I remember I flew out and I was like hanging out with Joey and Dion and Joey was talking about like other tours that were coming up. He's like, you know, but we'll see how this goes. You know, and Dion, well, Dion, Joey was like, dude, you should come. Like, Joey and I were like, first night, we're like hanging out, playing guitar and like playing Metallica songs and stuff. We were just like, I love you. And Joey was like, dude, you should come out on these tours. And Dion was like, we'll see, you know, yeah. how this goes. I, it's because we were so skeptical because we had so many guitar players. That yeah. we, we didn't want, it was almost like too good to be true. We were like, dude, in a month, he's going to be yeah. the biggest jerk in because- the world. I mean, because me, Dion, and Joey all, you know, basically grew up together. And then, you know, we've pretty much raised Nate, you know, since he was like 12. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, well, but no, no. I hope somebody's all, giving you child support. We're absolutely <laughs> brothers. I mean, the four of us, like, I mean, we, we've basically known each other the majority of our lives. And so with us four being so tight knit and then t- to have, you know, all these other guitarists come in and you're just kind of like, ah, oh, you don't you know, feel like a brother. And then when Christian came in, it was like a totally right away. Yeah. different change. It was just like, okay, someone is actually passionate about life and they love music and they love, you know, I don't know. It was yeah. a... Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just a perfect... Also, what I wanted to point out was like, if there's any other band that was comparable to Amberlynn, it would have been, you know, acceptance. basically Salesman's first record and then Acceptance. Mm-hmm. And so with those, so when he came in, it wasn't like a stylistic change. It was like, dude, whatever you wrote, I want you to write again. You know, right. what's permanent part two? And I want, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I give you a list. Our of bands st- were like brother bands, even in just like the mentality of the bands and mm-hmm. just the way we wanted to present ourselves and yeah. the way, even the way we looked and the way yeah. like the song uh, influences, which was so interesting because we. Even Acceptance had the same, like, we started out as, like, a new school punk band. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, playing really fast stuff, yeah, just like yeah. they did. You know, here we are on opposite ends of the country yeah. doing the same thing, you yeah. know, and then ending up, to, we had the same, Acceptance had the same kind of thing where it was like, we don't want to play punk rock anymore. We want to yep. play something more mature. Right. And so, you know, coming into the band, it was like, I didn't have to change anything about nope. me. It was just yeah. like, it was just, they want, that's why they called me, I think. Yeah, because no, totally. They, they we knew are, we were already We are the militia demos from acceptance uh, that Aaron Sprinkle played us because he was trying to woo us to, you know. Uh, and that's why whatever. we went to Aaron Sprinkle. That's why we went to Aaron Sprinkle of because of those their songs. EP. And so it was, it was kind of, yeah, yes. it was awesome. How life worked out. Match made in heaven. It was. So let's take, our second, let's, let's take our second music break. And, and uh, I actually have two different ideas here. So I I'm, I'm, may end up playing four songs again. So Christian, let's give you two songs right off the bat. What are, what are your two favorite Amberlynn songs that you play? To play? To play. That you just love. Oh, man. Uh, I just love them all so much. <laughs> uh, we don't uh, we don't play it very often. I mean, we did on the Cities tour, dance. but I really liked playing "Dance Dance" Christina Pavkin. Yeah, yeah. That's just a really cool song to me. That's always been one of my favorite Amberlynn songs. It's just got a really good vibe, and I don't know. I've always yeah, really enjoyed that crazy. that song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what I, lo- I mean. I like our whole set. Our, uh-huh. I like every song we play, but. Um, what else? Be a new song. Oh, Retrace is pretty cool. They, I really like playing that off of the new record. That mm-hmm. one's pretty cool. Especially now the kids are getting a little more familiar with the right. record to have them singing along and just kind of like, because it's got more of just kind of like a, 
I don't even know. What is that vibe? Yeah, 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 it's just like mid-tempo vibe. So to see kids kind of like just like, you know, dancing a little bit to the song and singing along is just, it's an amazing well, and so, and so we, you just named a song off the new record, and that was kind of what I was going with the second idea. And, and for Stephen and Nate, what would you consider, give me one song from Amberlynn's past that would say that is the representative song of Amberlynn, mm. and then versus what it is now on the new record. So get one from the past, wow. one off the new record. Say this is where I we mean, were, this is where we are. I think the definitive uh, song, I think, that you know, got, kind of got Amberlynn kicking and also mm-hmm. kind of like gave us a, a blueprint for you know, kind of like where we were going to go is, is Ready Feels. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, that's For sure. That's what I was going to say. And then I off the new it. record, what would you say is representative of Amberlynn in 2008-9? Um, wow. I still, I think Disappear is still one of the ones mm-hmm. that is just like Amberlynn. You know what I mean? Like the melodies, the guitars, the drums, like everything is just like Amberlynn 2008. You know what I mean? Like I think it's such a progression from that to this. Like it still is us, but it's like this. It's the new Amberlynn. You know what I mean? And I'm just glad you didn't say breathe. I was, I was so tempted. <laughs> uh, breathe. It's definitely breathe. <laughs> Just to kill, kill it for you. 
getting over a cold. Oh no, it's definitely something going around. It's like it's either a cold or it's a flu. Both of them. We just keep spreading it around in our bus. Start with Nate, twelve people. Christian, then we just keep giving. Everybody on our bus has been sick, and I feel like it just keeps staying because he had. Like it went from like a, a very sick, like, you know, body aches and that kind of stuff. And now it's just like snotty. Like I blow snot all over my face every, every night. night. The, first, <laughs> the first two songs. First me, note, like, dude. It's like the most irritating. I got so frustrated. I, laugh I like blew my nose time. on that towel and I just like threw it down. Gets, I was like, ah, I was like, dude, I th- snotting. I think it's funny. It was <laughs> disgusting. And I'm like blowing snot bubbles like while I'm singing. I can feel it like. <laughs> On my face. And yeah. Dude, Raul, oh. the other day when I was playing, like, first song, I went like this, and it flung, and Raul was like, and it, like, missed him, and he's like, dude, it's, and oh, I can't, so I can't gross. stop, because I'm, yeah. oh. so, so then I'm like, and I, like, wipe it all oh. off, it's so dirty, yeah. no, it's gets getting, in my hair, oh my god, like, it'll it's fling, awesome. and still stay in my nose. I hope this is in the interview, this would be great. This, this is the this most irritating thing, being sick on tour. Absolutely. So, so if, that affects my show, honestly, I, I, I can... If I can feel it in my nostrils and I can't, I know if I headbang, it's going to go like just everywhere. So I have to like hold, hold out the guitar and then like go grab something. There's it's nights so where funny. I'm positive it's all over my shirt. Yeah. Like I'm just like, I don't even want to look. I'm going to take this as a badge of honor. This is awesome. You're like proud of it. Do you yeah. guys ever have a moment where if somebody in another band said, you know what, just take this cold medicine and it's great. I've never had a problem taking it. You take it and because your genetics are so different, you end up being so looped out on stage on some medicine that you just We're like, not, you don't even remember the really show. T- I, I hate taking medicine anyway. Like I usually, and I'm not being like, oh, but I usually just take vitamins if I'm sick because I hate, because that one show forever ago when we played in Nashville, um, my neck or something, or I was sore or something and I took this medicine that someone gave me and I didn't eat in a while and I started throwing up on my snare drum. So now I don't take <laughs> medicine from anyone. And they, and they thought that's punk rock. Dude, yeah. it was the worst because I, I threw up on my snare and it was just water because I hadn't eaten and then I kept playing and it was like... Oh, that's <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> Dude, uh, um, this, I got you know, laryngitis. So and so everyone is telling me different tricks of the trade. My grandmother's telling me gargle salt. My, my, you know, my friends are telling I went to a grocery store and this, uh, this health store and they're like, take this echinacea spray, which tastes like, whoa. <laughs> and then my aunt's like, dude, you've got to try this oregano. It's a just oil of oil oregano, oregano and you put it in the back of your throat. So oh, anyway, dropper. feels like burning pizza down it's your back so of your throat. But spicy. It's, it's, it's so amazing. gross. So I hate it. I take it, and then I was drinking some water, and then so like right before last night's show, so I'm jumping around, I'm getting all hot and sweaty, and, so I, and then I'm like, crap, I gotta start. I'm I'm like, I gotta burp. So I start burping up, and it's the grossest <laughs> taste of echinacea, oregano, um, throat coat tea, and it, I was like gagging. I've turned around like gagging in my towel, like oh, oh I'm, I swear I'm gonna puke right now. Yeah. Any second, yeah, so I had to calm down, like, like just relax, relax, don't puke. And every time I'd burp, I'm like, oh, I start gagging and <laughs> you guys are like a performing plague oh my god yeah. dude for real that first week we were all like deathly sick oh man. i ate that pizza and then threw up five times in the bathroom mm-hmm. yeah what was the longest you guys were on the road were you because you were just talking about how you were circulating it around the bus all the time so how long did you keep a disease going on a, on a bus oh, it's still man. going is right it, what, is, like Brent, what still is this three weeks two weeks yeah, but no one's three like sick everybody still has everyone still has like the worst, the worst ever. I mean, take action. Uh, was, was that? Oh, no, no. I was talking about like the worst fatigued and sick was um, coming off that three month tour. A month and a half, I oh. went out with Juliana Theory, then a month and a half oh out with Fallout Boy. That was brutal. And we, in a I, van. In a van. And we came oh, back geez. home and uh, 
I went into the doctor and he's like, dude, you have full on bronchitis any worse. And you're, and there was a moment where I, we got out of a truck stop and I was like, guys, I'll be right back. I'm just going to get some Gatorade. Got on my knees and fainted right in front of the the van, stood back up, got Gatorade, got back in and went on to the next show. Where, 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 yeah. where was this? This, this was in, it was in, uh, I, mean, I want to say it was like January through March. So it was a brutal, brutal cold. So, what, so where, where, where were you when you fainted? Where, oh, what Detroit, city? we were in near, right outside of Detroit. Right outside Detroit. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I just, I buckled, my knees went down. I was like, oh, this must feel, it feels like to die. <laughs> Stood back up, got Gatorade, got in the van Dude, and took take off. take action for me. I remember feeling like this is the end of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeesh, man. But you just keep going. I mean, that's... We all just, we had no money to go to a hospital, you know what I'm saying? Or anything like that. Nobody had insurance. So Couldn't I'm just even like, buy medicine. Yeah. Yeah. We were just like, crap, get back in the van. I guess this is what, what you do when you're in a band. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of discussion. Uh, you, you see it, you know, we have it in the pages of AP and you see it in some other, I mean, if there's a, if it's a longer form interview, you see more of it. But Stephen, you were talking about before with cities, you were just kind of in a really dark period in your life. So what is, what do you think got you into that moment? But then what got you out of it? Because you don't really hear that a lot. You yeah, don't really hear true. how people, how do yeah. they get out of the dark moment? Well, I think that, you know, if, when you, you know, the point of philosophy is to kind of look into yourself and kind of derive like mm-hmm. meaning and what, what you know, and, and kind of analyze what you, but, and, and, and there's an awesome quote by Blaise, uh, Blaise Pascal that says, the furnace of, uh, the, the furnace of, tra- uh, tra- oh man, transformation <laughs> is the, okay, it is, here's the quote. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Mm. And it's amazing. And I, I was like, that is incredible. That's exactly my life. I mean, like, you know, even Very now. Buddhist. Very Buddhist. Yeah. Does, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he would, uh, I know, like, even he would go into a furnace for hours and, like, you know, heat up his body temperature. And it was, but it wasn't like drastic. It wasn't like he was catching himself on fire. But he felt like there being alone in this closed, I mean, he was a little mental as it was, but he felt like that was his best thoughts. And then he would wrote this amazing um, uh, a book called Pences out of that furnace. Well, um, so it was quite literal for him. But for me, like even now, like I'll in the morning, like I'll wake up or me and Nate will wake up and we'll go off into the city and we'll go sit at Starbucks for hours. And whether that's writing in journals or reading mm. um, or, you know, type or getting online and stuff like that, we know that's just my way of getting away from the, you know, the, 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 you know, the huge uproar. Well, the problem with that is like solitude may be the first transformation, but it's also the, I mean, the, the deeper you get into yourself and the, and the more that you, that's all you see. And I think that's wrong. I think there needs to be balance in your life, hmm. you know, that you do need solitude, but you also need like, you know, without other people, you're destined to fail, you know, without, you know, like we've talked about several times in this interview is accountability and friendship and stuff like that. So when you start getting into yourself and you start pulling away from other people and you become very intrinsic and, you know, and it's very all about yourself, well, it becomes a very dark period in your life. And so I think that's where I was. I had completely isolated myself from, even though I could be on tour, I absolutely isolated myself. And so here I am getting further and further and deeper into myself and I'm not liking anything I find. Well, Hmm. then walking into city straight off a tour, I mean, I was just like, so you're fatigued mentally, you're fatigued physically. I mean, literally we ended our tour in Seattle and began recording the next day. And so by that time, I had no time to myself. I had no time to get away. I was lyrically, I was just, I, I had no idea. And I had pulled so far into myself. That was all my journals were about. Well, so when I start writing, I just go back to journals. And what do I see? All I see is this like, you know, hopelessness and like, where am I? And why is this happening? And, and so um, I think that that's what brought me into like that, that deeper, darker. Um, and there's a no, uh, no mathematics for love and loss, I think, is the most 
you know, brutally honest I was about where I was in that time period. And it talks, I mean, it sounds like it's actually coming from a third person or a third person strangler or something like that. It was, but I mean, that's what I was feeling like in life. And, um, and I think what got me out is because after that we had time off, I had time to go out and think, you know, I, I got, you know, the situations, the dark periods that I was facing at that time. Um, you know, I think it's true. Time kind of heals all wounds. And so mm-hmm. through that kind of time, through drawing away. And then also, you know, like I said, it was with, with, with recording new surrender is looking back at that and going, dude, I do not like that despair. I don't like that dark. Um, and so, uh, pulling away from that and moving on, I think that with those, with all that culmination, the time, the, the downtime that we, we were allowed allotted after cities was recorded, all that. And to be able to look back and say, in retrospect, that was just, that's ridiculous. You know, I don't want to get there ever again. And then hopefully trying to find that balance of saying, you know, yes, solitude is important, but also, dude, I mean, friendships and love and loyalty and family. I mean, all those are, are, are equally, or if not more amazing. So, um, yeah, that's how, it, that's how it all transpired. Usually when you're like in a, in a you're going through a, a, a troubled spot, you, you know, your friends, you start always, you kind of tell your friends about it every day and then they kind of give you the same advice every day. And then it becomes a broken record between the two of you. And then, and you don't listen and they keep, they start getting frustrated because you're not listening to them. And then all of a sudden there is something that happens that is that, that epiphany or, or you, you talk to somebody new and they just find a way to put something in a very different perspective that for some reason hits. Right. And it does help you with that change and that coming out of that thing. Do you remember, was there a person? Was there a moment? Was there a, was it a book? Coming out of cities, I think it was, it was just, I think it was allowing myself to mentally kind of re-energize, you know, mm. it was a re-energizing of, you know, and that, and that, that comes in many forms. And I think for me personally, I'm sure, I think actually, I think it's for all three of us, it's family. Like it's going back, you know, when, when, you know, Nate goes back to Tampa, I mean, even if you're there just for 24 hours, well, for me, it was getting, it was reconnecting with my family. Like, I mean, we, as a band, like any band members, we all miss the monotony of life. We miss the anniversaries, the birthdays, the, you know, the, the weddings, the anything like that, that a family would, you know, you know, I, I've, I, I was not there for neither my niece or my nephew's birth. I have not been there for any single, literally none of their birthdays. Mm-hmm. And and now my niece is five years old. My nephew's two. I mean, I mean, one, he, I, I haven't been a part of their life at all, you know? And so when I got to go back and when, I think when any of us go back and recharge and we go reconnect with our family, I think that's the biggest thing. And I think for me personally, my brother, Paul, um, who's the topic of many songs, um, of ours. Um, I think he's the one that can actually reason with me and yell at me and, and puts me in my place. And so um, reconnecting with him and with my family, I think those were the, the two biggest things, you know, that really get us all out of whatever the, you know, the, what we're in. You said it, you said it one time that one, that a quote that you, you tend to like is, is out of the movie Braveheart. Uh, every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Yeah. So Thinking about all this, kind of like just kind of wrap all this discussion up about about uh, you know being a musician and kind of going through those dark periods of trying to come out of it. Um, you know, some 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 younger musicians may take a look at that. You know, not every man truly lives, and they may think of that as you know, oh, you got to go experiment, you got to go play, yeah. you got to go wild, you got to go crazy. I got to throw the TV out the thing. Mm-hmm. I got to go. You know, I have to have my dark spots, right? Um, because they almost become romanticized. Yeah. So, what would you say to uh, like, how can uh, is it possible to foresee the demons? Is it, is, or is it just something that maybe is it life that you kind of have? I mean, it's such a question of faith too. It's like, do you, mm-hmm. does the devil tempt you in a way so you kind of have to go in there and spar a little bit, and then it makes you stronger as a warrior, so to speak? You know? Is it, yeah, I mean, I don't think you. 
a lot of people say you have to go through that stuff. And I wouldn't say you have to, you know, there's, yeah. there's definitely people who don't go through that that end up, you know, um, but I do think you, the biggest thing is just learning from mistakes, you know, and learning from things you learn. But I don't, I do think that it's not uh, like necessary to where you have to go out and like try and find that, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I got to find that dark side of me. Or like, I, I won't know the difference if I don't experience, you know, experiment with stuff, which I, I don't really agree with. Cause I think that there are ways of not doing that and still learning, you know, from other people. Cause I think other people can go through stuff and you can learn from that. You can say, I've seen that person go down that path. So I don't have to, but I can learn from that. And you don't have to like jump in and like, I'm going to start doing like drugs and all this stuff to like go through my time. Cause everyone says you have to go through that to get to that point. Cause some people, you know, you can't get out of it. You know what I mean? So I think surrounding yourself with good people and staying away from that and learning from what other people have gone through is, is so important, you know, and, and what, you know, whether it's your parents or your brothers or your close friends that can, then can help you with that. But, um, I definitely think you, you just learn from mistakes, whether it be a small mistake or, or anything, you, you can take something from, from what you learn just by every day. But yeah, I don't think that it's like necessary to go find that stuff. Like I'm going to go on a bender because I need to find out, you know, who I am. And so I, I, yeah. You don't so need to shoot yourself in the foot to know that to it's going to hurt. Exactly, exactly. Right. You don't need to try everything out there just because it's out there. Like, oh, man, well, I heard people do this, so maybe I should try that. Yeah, you know, you, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know better than that. Totally. True. And, and getting off the substance topic, I mean, I think there is things in a band that we're all going to face. It doesn't matter if you're a local band or if you're a U2. I mean, a, like character issues like like pride and arrogance, mm-hmm. you know, like totally. we talked about earlier. I mean, these are definite demons you're going to face. I mean, how do you look in the face of adversity? How do you look? I mean, dude, what about critics? You know, like, I mean, basically yeah. people that, you know, what about people that review your record? How how do <laughs> negative words right. or positive words affect you? I mean, or message positive boards. Gets, or message or, boards. Or absolutely. I yeah, mean, yeah. and uh, you know, I mean, we have a mutual friend that kind of you know yeah. that yeah. that dealt with with words. I mean, what how are words going to shape you? And I feel like, um, you know, these are those are you know demons that were you know it doesn't matter. Like again, what band you're in, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to face those exact demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, you you said in your blog. Uh, that you were, you were talking about, I think it was going through Warp towards Scranton, and you were talking about the the swear words and the 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 you know uh, merch booths with signs saying you know asking for sex and things like that, and you said they were just surrounded by negativity, and so I'm just kind of curious, like if you want to be around positive influences and people that are. Um, are are wanting to uh, not kind of purposely go live in that dark spot. Um, how do you do it on the road? I mean, is it like, per, do you seriously have to go find somebody and make sure that they're like a support team or is it? I mean, if it comes to that, yeah. But I mean, yeah. at, you know, that, that being like, you know, that Scranton warp Tour, man, I mean, that was just a, a bad day all the way around. I was just co- totally blown away. I don't know what it was. I mean, but sometimes you, you can't, rely on others. Sometimes you have to be that lighthouse. Hopefully, you know, like even if it's just a smile on your face or maybe it's just, you know, shaking someone's hand or, you know, maybe, maybe you are, you know, I, you can't expect always to, to, to have someone, you know, backing you up. And it, and the cool thing is like, we've talked about, like we do have an awesome system within the band, but sometimes it's not always there or, or, you know, and it's not just about warp Tour. I mean, it could be anywhere. It could be at college or at your, your cubicle job. I mean, anywhere you are, you're going to find, you know, um, adversity and stuff like that. And sometimes you have to be that lighthouse. And so, you know, uh, sometimes when all else fails, you know, you have to, you have to be that, that rock that maybe other people can rely on. 
It's it's interesting because I remember that from your blog. You said you know you know your quote was maybe I was supposed to be a lighthouse, and uh, and despite you know the, the period that you went through with with cities and stuff that you speak of, I I can think of no other band that seems to have as good of a reputation as yours. Wow, thanks, um, and thanks. I have never heard a negative. I mean, you know, and maybe I'm just not hanging out with the right We've pissed paid off, off people. A lot of people. <laughs> but, but 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 um uh but I mean seriously, I mean the the, the you guys seem to, from any band that I've ever spoken to speaks very highly of you. And Stephen, I mean, to a certain extent, you, you when I speak to people um and, and they bring up your name, um it's almost like you are they speak of you now as kind of uh kind of like as Father Christian, and it's not a pun, but it's like that, like. They see you as that rock, and you just said that. And it kind of, kind of got me thinking there, That's which awesome. is, you know, they see as when they're troubled, they can come to you, and you are that calm person. You know, you're like the, you know, like the Billy Graham, like the the calm person in the storm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't know if you've ever been told that before, but I hear it on my end. And so, how does that make you feel? I mean, does that kind of make you? Do you kind of feel like, wow, you know, like maybe I'm making a difference? Or man, I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I think that would be a, you know, a goal of of all of us, you know, like that we could all be, you know, uh, but it does, it does, I mean, it brings great responsibility, you know, I mean, it brings, you know, like, uh, you know, there are people out there watching, but, you know, I, I don't know, like I've, I've always been, I mean, like even in college, like I said, I want to be in, you know, going do a humanitarian and, and always be out there and, and being, a. But I just, I don't know. I, I can't see my life any other way. I don't want to look back in 20 years and go, dude, I should have, I could have, you know, why, why, why live for yourself? Like why, you know? And so it always, always affects me. It drains me. It hurts. Like when somebody else that I'm close to or somebody else in my scene or in our, my, our career path is hurting, you know, I want to be out there. I want to be on the, the front lines and make sure like, you know, get in contact with people and, and, uh, and I think the first time it happened is, is somebody like that really, you know, uh, that I don't want to name, but I, they knew nothing about me. I had never met them there. They were a huge band. And as soon as I walked into the room, we locked eyes and he made a beeline right for me. He's like, listen, I just got off cocaine less than a month ago and I want you to keep me accountable. And I was like, I don't know you and you're huge. Like, like we should be, I should be like asking for your autograph right now. Like, you know, and my space pick, right. Something, <laughs> anything like, yeah. And, and so, and it was at that moment, it was just like, Oh my gosh, like I do, I do have to live this life. And sometimes it does bring a, you know, almost a Superman complex where I can't be human. But again, in my, in the blogs, I feel like that's the place where I let down my guard and go, dude, sure. I completely fail. I, you know, I've more than once I've reposted this thing where it was just like, I'm a failure. I suck. I'm human. I will make mistakes. And the only thing that separates me from anyone else is hopefully that, you know, like Nate talked about that we can learn from our mistakes and move on. But mm-hmm. dude, that's a big responsibility. What you just said, like, I mean, that just kind of, it's not, it, it's, it's more flooring than flattering. It's just kind of like, wow. Okay. You know, but I'll yeah. take it, you know, because I mean, hopefully people can rely on Amberlynn. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. we've got two men of character sitting right next to me that like, that I look to, you know, like even last night, me and they had an awesome debate about like where we stood politically and why. And, and there was no, no one was right in the conversation. I hope I, that came off that yeah, neither no, of us totally. were right. All we wanted to merely do was challenge each other mm-hmm. to become better. And that's what it was all about. And, and again, and that's why we fell in love with Christian in the first place is because of his love of life and that we saw that he was care, that he had character and mm-hmm. that's huge for us. And the, we even had a conversation about this morning about there was some rumor 
and miscommunication between us and alternative press. Like that someone <laughs> said, someone, someone said that we and the band said that. And that devastated the yeah. three of us over coffee this morning. Like, dude, we have worked so hard to be classy and we've worked so hard to be people of character and that that real. rumor was not us and it was mm-hmm. not nothing we had said. And somehow our name got attached to that. And we were just like floored that yeah. we would ever have been like we had hoped like you know we were going to confront you know people upstairs a little later but that we <laughs> would never have been like that and for that to you know for that to have been a subjective of us and mm-hmm. for people we have worked way too hard and again like earlier in the conversation we talked about how that you know first impressions and right. like that's a lasting effect man totally do we want to be men of character we want to be people of character that 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 you know our fans see it we want our fans to be able to and, and peers, hopefully like we pass that along, you know, because that we pass along that, dude, there's two routes and it's the Motley crew or it's the U2. And, you know, everybody has to pick <laughs> Nikki Six or Bono, you know, like that's how it is. But, you know, there's you a know, video game there. It is, you know. <laughs> yeah, dude, epic battles. But, you know, when we look back, I think, you know, like I'm speaking for all three of us, like when we back, look back in 20 years, do we want to make sure that we had made waves? And I'm not talking about waves just in music, but, dude, hopefully that we've inspired somebody to like, either write a book or, or go out and create another band or, sure. or, or mm-hmm. be a part or go on, on humanitarian trips or be involved in their community or if that's Habitat for Humanity or whatever it looks like, that they just make a positive influence in that. In the, and I, hopefully our lyrics, you know, show that, you know, or hopefully it's our character. Yeah, or, and off stage. Off like, stage, yeah, exactly. absolutely. That means so much part. more that we're not going to get on stage and F you and you better move or we're going to yeah, F, and yeah. F, F you up because, <laughs> dude, life is too short and life is too good to complain and be any other way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, was, I was kind of noticing you, you were talking about like how you guys have these big discussion over coffee and I've kind of come to the conclusion some people do their best thinking in the shower and I think you guys do your best in the in Starbucks. We, yeah, we don't all shower together. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the other day we were all showering together. Yeah. <laughs> having this conversation. This was after you were in the bunk together, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Right. Um, got out of her bunk. We took um, a shower. The couple things uh, before we wrap up here a couple because uh, I think these are really important um, and I and there are some Amberlynn fans out there music geek fans that are going to want to know answers to these things mm-hmm. Anchor and Braille <laughs> oh man I mean, I mean, right, so, 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 Aaron's, Aaron, you did that with Aaron Marsh. Yes. And there's a song, I only found one. I, there's supposedly like three or four songs out there. There's a seven inch that you can buy right. on woodwaterrecords.com. Right. Yes. So, but there's only one song I found on iTunes or Amazon. Right. But there's like, and that's off of the, uh, the record's the, done. The punk compilation. There's, uh, there's, tw- I there's, there is, I have it. <laughs> it's great. Does, 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 does that have Aaron Marsh on it? Um, Aaron Marsh produced it. He produced, all right, produced it. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Yep. So, so when is this record? Man, I, I, I mean, I have to make, I mean, I've made it clear to Universal and I made it clear, absolutely, you know, crystal, crystal clear to the guys that, you know, I want to be transparent and Amberlin is first. I mean, it will Got be it. first. And so if that means Ingram Braille comes out when I'm 91, then it comes out when I'm 90, you know, because I just feel like this is priority. This is where mm-hmm. my, you know, my passions lie is, is Amberlin. So when New Surrender kind of goes down, I would love it if we took like a two month break and that way Anchor and Braille can tour. And if that's the case, then that's when the record's coming out. Cause I definitely want to tour on it. Yep. All right. So hopefully that's in like five years. Yes. When, new, when new surrender our, comes down. A twelfth because Christian's out of a job in the meantime. We're, yeah. We're he could be your write gu- a couple more songs and re-release the record to release more. He could be your guitar tech. Like Fourteen singles. Yeah. Get into tour managing, Christian. I'm yes. telling you, that's where the money is. Um, the second thing um, is facelessinternational.com. Yes. yes. 
Um, <clears throat> the uh, it, it says on the page, on the website for Faceless, this is your nonprofit, yes. right? It says the purpose behind Faceless is simple. We want to put a face on many people in our own country and around the world who have gone faceless or unknown for so long. Yeah. Every day in our own country, people pass by many who are struggling. Each day around the world, Preach people it. ignore the plight of millions who have no food, no clean water, no education, or even no freedom. And uh, you have uh, sh- Showbread. Uh, the, the cl- I mean, I don't even think I'm saying these bands right. I know National Product in there. The classic crime and Showbread. Yes, is, is are also signed onto this. And you have a, a bunch of artists and, yep. and some other nonprofits that are all part of this thing. So, um, and you set up these trips. Yes. And I think in 2009 you got L.A., New York City, Guatemala, and Ukraine. Ukraine. Awesome. What is the, so? What do you do? Like, oh man, I mean, I, again, like you just summarized the whole thing, but we just want to, we, we purposely fill the void, like, uh, um, such as when we went to, uh, work in Calcutta, India in the, in the red light district in Kickapore, we would go in there and there was a, a home for, for girls that had been either <laughs> somehow affected by human trafficking, you know, whether that sure. means their moms were prostitutes or they were going to be, or they had been. And so this one building, probably the size of this room, I don't even know what the, you know, dimensions are. They would eat, sleep, live, work, educate. Educate, you know, get an education, whatever the case in this, but we're talking about, it wasn't even this nice of a facility. I mean, it was old. It looked like stucco, you know, cheap, very cheaply made and stuff like that. And it was very like unlivable work conditions. So for me and Dion, who, um, as a bass player of Amberlin and then yep. our tour manager and several other people. We, we, what we did is we sanded, we pa- repainted, we cleaned. I mean, I'm talking like as best we could try to get as you know uh, much dirt out of that facility as we could. And then like other people would branch off and they were teaching music. music. We bought two guitars and two keyboards and they were teaching wow. music. And then other people were teaching carpentry and they were going to teach them how to do frames so that they could go sell it on the side of the road. Then other people taught art. They were painters. And then mm-hmm. even other, um, uh, other people were teaching like little, these little girls how to dance and they were, you know, singing songs and it was just amazing. So what we do is we just went in there and fill, filled the void. I mean, especially with, since some of these girls had been literally, I mean, uh, there was another called Sunlop and, and Dion got to go and there was a nine year old that was pregnant. There's a 10 year old that had a children and there was an 11 year old that had her back broken because of Oh incidences that had happened and wow. she's never going to walk again. And so Dion got to go in there and represent like the, uh, uh, ma- the males around the world and that they want to just show love. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't hug them. He didn't touch them. He wanted to show them like, I can color right alongside you. I don't want to hurt you. The world is not all like this. And so he got to work one-on-one with these girls. And by the end, everybody's crying, which Dion does not cry. <laughs> and Dion, wow. Yeah, man, Dion broke down to me and Seth and like, and he was just, I mean, so, and that's what we would do. We'd go in and we'd just fill a void. I mean, and when Haiti, we went to, uh, Nate went, came with us um, and we walked, you know, we went two and a half hours up a, the side of a hill and a little community called Mayno and we farmed right alongside them. We, we, you know, we played soccer with them. We, you know, educated. And, and, and we totally changed perceptions because some of these people, you know, one of the most touching moments was just, I mean, the end of the week, they had mm-hmm. this huge bonfire. The whole entire community came together and cooked and got together and this 90-year-old man came out you know he was choking up and he said you know generations are going to hear about you coming because before that all they thought about white people is we are devils we're liars we're going to enslave you you know we have forks for tongues and we have mm-hmm. you know tails and we are literally white devils that we're going to come and lie and so here we got to change the racial barriers and the racial boundaries of these people that had been up in these hills that 
that had, they would, the first couple of days, they stayed away from white people. They stayed away from us. They did, mm -hmm. you know, they want to come and touch our hair. You know, they would come and touch our tattoo to see if it was real, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And so, but it was amazing to be able to touch perceptions. So wherever we are in the world, uh, we're going to go in there and whether it's New York City or whether it's the middle of the Ukraine working with orphans um, uh, in this awesome little uh, orphanage over there, um, we're going to go in there and fill whatever need is there. And we just want to show people love that first off, you know, not all Americans are bad, you know, like we're not into conquering the world, but also that, you know, we love people like, you know, we want to go over to make a difference and, and fill a void or a gap. And whether that's, you know, like you've read, you know, helping with trying to create running water or just hugging someone and showing these little girls that, you know what, not all men are bad or not all, you know, guys are bad. So whatever the case may be. So let's reverse that. You know, we talk a lot about now about how this potential, this election possibly could be a generational change. Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on where it goes. But, but if if if, the, if where it's going right now, at least right now as of today, it, it could be a generational change. It could be a whole philosophical change. It could be an identity change. The way mm -hmm. America is presented around the world, and there's so much talk about Americans being isolated and the disconnect between those that travel the world and those that don't, and the perceptions of the world. So, if we could bring those people that you go visit over here, what do you think we could learn from them? What do you oh, think Americans could, could, could learn about the world that maybe Jeez. we don't understand? And I know we don't, I don't have much time, but I did, yeah, I did no want to problem. ask you that. I mean, first off, if we, take, if we took the Haitians over here, I mean, clearly you saw, I mean, they have such they, they, a community. It is mm -hmm. all about community. It's mm -hmm. all of us it together. together. Yep. You know, there's not one person that, you know, like they leave out. I mean, if somebody's hurting, dude, I mean, we saw, we saw like somebody had passed away. So one lady was cooking. The other was building the, the casket. The other mm -hmm. ones were, were, were literally living with the family, you know, mm -hmm. just to show them support and stuff like that. It was unbelievable. So I think from the Haitians, we could learn yeah, community. Totally, totally. Um, uh, you know, I, I think from, from India, we can, uh, I don't know, like for me, I felt like they were absolutely doing anything they could to, to further their, their, their own lives as far as like education was such an importance. If you can just learn English, you're automatically middle class. They had such a craving for knowledge. And here we have, I mean, the dropout rate is astounding yeah. in mm -hmm. high school. I mean, like in, in, I think, um, in, in parts I was reading in parts of, of, of like socioeconomically deprived, uh, minorities are dropping out at 60% and like, dude, come on. Like mm -hmm. this is, I mean, I, I, I would just want to encourage like, yeah, you know, and I think that we could learn from, you know, India, especially like Africans. If you ever watched that invisible children DVD and they were saying like these little two kids are literally crying saying, I just want to be a teacher. I just want a chance to be mm -hmm. a lawyer. If we could bring them over here and show them like, dude, Come on, like there are so many people around the totally. world that would give anything for this kind of education. Yeah, exactly. You know, that That's would be what I was huge. Say. Yeah, because education, you know, we take it so lightly. But someone would, you know, what they would do just for like the books that we get and the the chance to learn and, and to to have the education, I think would, you know, hopefully, you know, open up people's eyes how incredible it is that we it's so easy to learn so much you mm -hmm. know and, and those people would do so much just for that opportunity to have the books that we you know what i mean mm -hmm. or, or just the the knowledge that we have so i don't know and uh i think in mexico city like we worked in the dumps passing out you know we passed out rice and beans and, huh? and bananas and stuff like that and we just hung out with the people in the in the dumps and i think that if we brought them you know some of them over here we could just learn that dude don't take life for granted we yeah. live in a Beautiful Gosh, country, yeah, sure. a free country free. with, I mean, I mean, just opportunity around exactly. every corner. Absolutely, so opportunity can... and just do not take life for granted. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. there, right. So go on. Oh, I was just going to say from my travels, like just what dictates happiness, you know, in the U.S. is completely different than what, it, what it, in, in foreign countries. You know what I mean? Like 
I've been to Mexico many times on missions trips and just worked with people that, you know, didn't even have a house. They like built their house out of garbage, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we're totally happy because their kids were alive and they had, they had family, family and they had yeah. friends, you know, whereas, you know, <coughs> even myself, sometimes I'm, I get down over money or whatever. And I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, like, totally. They don't even have any money. They don't even have a house. Like, yeah. They don't even have clothes really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Happiness equates to whatever the newest thing in the mall is yeah. Yeah. here. And it's just unfortunate. Or hot topic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and the last thing, Stephen, very quickly is uh, you are an author you've started this and the loosely, or, the, the, or, the orphaned the orphaned anythings you can get this on amazon.com you can buy it um and you did your first book reading yes on september 4th yes with augustine in new york burroughs. city how was that it was amazing man augustine burroughs is one is is a, a prolific writer and and uh tegan and sarah uh, tegan of tegan and sarah was there and she and her and augustine just fed off each other and it was incredible um colin from circus survive played a couple songs and so i was absolutely nerve-wracking i mean the book was shaking and i'm sitting there trying to read to people but i you know it went over great i, th- I was a lot of fun and something i'd like to explore in the future again so on, on one of the chapters in that book, um, the title of it, because you have these long, kind of like Fall Out Boy long <laughs> titles. Oh, right. um, so, and they probably are going to end up being Fall Out Boy titles. Now. There I you said go. That. Pete's awesome. going to listen to this and say, oh, that's a damn good idea. Um, one, of them, one of the chapter titles is, I don't care that I'm going to die someday. It's the fact that no one is going to care that scares me. Uh, and, uh, and you wrote on your blog, um, imagine that you, you, have a, you actually asked your, your fans a question to tell them to answer to this. And you say, one of the, there was three points to it. I'll just say the first. Imagine that you are standing in a graveyard looking at your own tombstone. Now write the epitaph you would like to see there. Begin with the words, here lies. I'd like to reverse that. What Whoa. would you write? Wow, that is insane. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I, I think that uh, I would love to, you know, oh, here lies Stephen, and I would just want to, I would say, he he loved people. I mean, basically, I think that, I mean, if I could just accomplish that in my life, like then, then I feel like I would be fulfilled. If I could genuinely love and care about every single person I came in contact with and treated them, um, you know, better than myself and I love them and I gave every, you know, everything I could to whether it's a widow, an orphan, or it's the president or king of the world, you know, I would just want it to say, here lies Stephen, he loved. Christian, what about you? Oh, man. <laughs> I know. Staring I at your epitaph. Uh, this is too uh, morbid for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just say you're cremated, then there's no tooth no. Uh, here lies Kirsten. He was cremated. He was, <laughs> he was a great cop pirate. out. And Nate. He was a what? He's a great pirate. <laughs> Proud father know, of man, 12. I don't know, man. I'd have to think of it. I don't know. It's a tough question. It isn't is it? a tough is. question. You would just hope that. You leave the air behind you clean, like Steven's saying, you know, and that you affected people in a positive way, you know. Mm-hmm, and exactly. I like I like that question. I like that title of that that book of that chapter because it's like if no one remembers you, then did you ever even live? You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, does it even matter that you were ever there? You know mm-hmm, what I mean? So you mm-hmm, would just hope yep. to affect people, affect people. positively, exactly. where you could say that he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. You know? I think uh, Muslim prophet Rumi summed it up the best when he said, you know, when you die, do not leave for yourself, just a place on this earth, but in the hearts of men. And I think that's something that we all want to accomplish. Yeah, totally. So Anne Berlin will be appearing at a local club or Starbucks near you. Hi guys, I wish you the best of luck with this new record. Thank you. It sounds like this is uh, it's a new as you as it's called new surrender, but it sounds like it's also a bit of a new beginning. Mm -hmm. So I wish you the best of luck, and I hope we can come back again and and talk some more. Thank you. Thank you. you. AP podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio. 
a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 